Welcome back to the Morgan Stanley Ideas podcast. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. On today's special episode, we're taking you into the art world and asking ourselves, what is art really worth? We're coming back with season three of the Morgan Stanley Ideas podcast soon, but we wanted to put out a quick episode through the feed. Why? Because Morgan Stanley is sponsoring an exciting new exhibition at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Eight years in the making, Michelangelo, divine draftsman and designer, is open to the public through February 12th. Our producers Barry and Jess are walking into the large entryway of the gallery. We're here, we just walked into the Michelangelo Divine Draftsman and Designer exhibit. The exhibit features the largest group of original drawings by Michelangelo that has ever been assembled for public display. It includes 133 drawings, three sculptures, his earliest painting, and his original model for a chapel vault. And since we're the Morgan Stanley Ideas podcast, that got us thinking about the value of art. Today on the show, we're looking at how art's worth is made up of all these different aspects, like cultural and social value, individual experience, and of course, there's the price tag. Oh, this is really cool. Whereas most art exhibits are about the finished products, walking through this Michelangelo gallery feels different. Next to many of the finished works are the sketches that were used to make those works. Diana Gisolfi, a professor of art history at Pratt Institute and director of the Pratt in Venice program, acknowledges that drawings known as cartones or cartoons are one of the many extraordinary features of this exhibit. The value, the importance of it is when you go to that show... A lot of what she's doing is showing process. This is unusual to be able to see cartoons, which are full-scale, one-on-one drawings that were actually used to transfer the design. This is cartoon of Venus kissed by Cupid. So we're standing in the corner, and to our right is the sketch, and then to the left is the actual painting. Michelangelo lived and worked until he was nearly 89 years old. And over his long, prolific career, he produced thousands of drawings, some of which were cartoons used as templates for frescoes. The exhibit presents the drawings chronologically, showcasing the different periods in Michelangelo's career. But Diana acknowledges the irony in displaying these cartoons for the public. Michelangelo often wanted to hide his process. If you read his poem about sculpture, it sounds like he's... It sounds like he's just imagining it in the block of stone and he's hacking away and there it is. And of course, it wasn't so easy. So just sort of to understand that process and how complex it was. And this guy was a workaholic kind of guy. So it's, it's amazing to see that. I think anyone can appreciate that if they look at the drawings. When touring the exhibit, it's as if we're watching the artist at work. We can see each black and white sketch evolve stroke by stroke into vibrant, intricate masterpieces. The variety and virtuosity of his work can spark a priceless emotional experience for viewers. But given the frequent headlines about mind-bogglingly high prices of art, from the classics to contemporary work, it's hard not to wonder what these Michelangelo pieces might be worth at auction. That sort of question is something Fadosi Islam puzzles over every day. 
My name is Ferdosi Islam, and I'm an executive director at Morgan Stanley. I work in the private bank in tailored lending credit in risk management. And Ferdosi just happens to have an art history background. Part of Ferdosi's job involves evaluating loans to clients, including loans using fine art as collateral. But more recently, when she's not assessing credit risk, she's serving as an art guide for the Met's Michelangelo exhibition for Morgan Stanley clients and employees as part of the company's employee art guide program. Given Ferdosi's expertise, from art history to underwriting, she has a nuanced understanding of art's value. So when I look at a work of art today, I am thinking, you know, I'm looking at this wonderful Michelangelo drawing and I'm thinking about the articulation of the muscles of Christ, but I'm also thinking this gorgeous drawing is worth $50 million. Even if we account for inflation and the fact that Michelangelo was an esteemed, well-known artist in his own time, his work would not have gone for something close to $50 million in the 15th century. But the idea of commissioning art or buying and selling art, that's been around for millennia. Letters from Cicero document that uh, there were art dealers in ancient Rome when Vermeer died in 1675 Um, He left about 617 guilders of debt with um, the baker for delivered bread. Um, And I I actually looked this up. The value of that is about 12 and a half euros today. And his widow uh, pledged two paintings to the baker to um, pay for that debt. I mean, we should all be so lucky to get two Vermeers for, for our baking debt. In the 15th and 16th century in Italy, most work was commissioned. Most artistic works were commissioned, and most of them were not intended to be in a private collection or in anything that was like a museum. Most of them were commissioned for a chapel or a hall or a library or for a specific site, a government building perhaps. And there would be uh, statements about what they were supposed to be. When thinking about the value of Michelangelo's work, Diana considers the influence that patrons had during their lifetime – Specifically, she's thinking about the Medici family. They were a wealthy, papal, and later royal family in the 15th and 16th centuries. They commissioned Michelangelo's The Last Judgment, and you can see the preparatory drawings for that project at the Met. Six centuries later, modern-day patrons can still play powerful roles in the art world. The easiest way to think about it is think about architecture. You know, the Getty commissions a gorgeous museum. What's that? They want beautiful materials. You know, they want a top architect. You know, so yes, of course, there's patronage today. Sometimes those modern-day patrons are also collectors who want to leverage the financial value of their holdings. Fedosi explains that there are a lot of factors that contribute to a piece of art's worth. We're looking at uh, the artist's standing and reputation, We're looking at characteristics of the work itself. What's the size of the work? What's the medium? What was the period in which um, the artist created this object or this painting? Um, And also, uh, we're concerned with authenticity of the object, rarity of the object, condition of the object, um, provenance of the object, who owned this piece. And we're also looking at characteristics of the sale and potentially of the purchaser. Art is expensive because people, whether it was the Medicis in the 16th century or modern-day collectors, have decided that art is worth something. You know, sometimes people just buy things because they want new things, and certain elements of taste also play into that valuation. Did this painting hang in the Louvre or in your living room, and for how long? 
That difference, however arbitrary it may seem, can affect the price tag. But something less arbitrary is the rarity of the work. Michelangelo burned hundreds of his drawings and cartoons. The exact reason why he wanted to burn them is unknown. Some speculate it's because he didn't want people to see the effort that went into his art. Others think he feared his process would be copied. Whatever the reason may be, one thing we know for sure is that burning his drawings made the surviving drafts even rarer and even more valuable. But what exactly does that value mean? How do we define it? Here's Fedosi again. An economic view of art does not negate art history or social criticism or its cultural value. Art history helps to define its value. Diana looks to the past to gain a sense of why art was arguably more important in Michelangelo's time than our own. It's important in terms of thinking about the value of art to be aware that it was valued in its own time, but it had always a function. It had a function, and the function was in relationship to how it would function in the dining hall of a monastery or how it would function in um, the Doge's Palace in Venice. Um, Another example is the... Medici Library, the Laurentian Library, which is Michelangelo designed the benches and the ceiling and as well as the architecture for that. Most art, especially contemporary fine art, isn't functional. It's meant to be seen. When you go back to the basics of what art does and how it holds cultural value, keep in mind this important aspect, your emotional reaction to it. Gazing at art in a museum can unexplainably bring you to tears, A mural painted on city streets can stop you in your tracks. Without these feelings, Fedosi agrees, art wouldn't be as expensive as it is. I don't think that will ever change based on the kind of response that we as individuals have when we're standing in front of a work of art that was created yesterday or 500 years ago. All ages have talked about the pleasure of aesthetic beauty and that you can can listen to Kuo Xi writing about it in, in... the Song Dynasty in China, or you can, or you can listen to Aristotle saying poetry and painting are related, or you, you know, many many people have said that um, the sort of aesthetic pleasure is part of what um, art provides. Back at the Met, our producer Barry witnessed this firsthand. I've seen like three people walk up to the Queen of Egypt and just start smiling, looking at it. Diana too recognizes that art has power. And yet she thinks about the power of art beyond her lecture halls or museum galleries. Her definition of art is inclusive, one that's malleable and morphs with time. I don't think art is just paintings in museums. When you use the term art, I I don't like to limit that to what has been called so-called fine art. Where where's the where do you draw the line? But a shopping list isn't art. And I thought, well, wait a minute, what if Leonardo wrote it? You know, it might be. And what about beautiful design? What about, um, you know, hey, I got, a new, I got a new Mac in my office and I'm very happy because it's beautiful. So, you know, so it can be all kinds of things that have this appeal. The term art itself means skill. That's what it means. So in the, tw- in the 20th century, we s- tended to talk about this is art and this is not art. And I kind of take a broader view. And Michelangelo did it all. And for Fedosi, no matter the price tag, art holds significant value on a personal level. My parents were immigrants to this country, and they didn't teach us English because they assumed that we would learn it organically. 
So I learned by reading the encyclopedia. And the very first article that caught my eye was on the Sistine ceiling. And I was so moved by this image that I cut it out of the encyclopedia and I carried it with me for over 10 years. I think I still actually have it up in my closet. Um, So when I stood in front of the Sistine ceiling three decades later, I had that same feeling of connectedness. And when I stood in front of the the Michelangelo drawings at the Met exhibition of the Libyan Sibyl, um, which were used to or for the Sistine Chapel, I had that, that same feeling. And I was telling a colleague of mine, I felt like I was connecting with my oldest friends. All these perspectives allow us to examine what makes up the value of art. You can measure its worth in historical significance, memories made, and dollars spent. We react strongly to art no matter where we find it. For Fadosi, it was in an encyclopedia. Others might be meandering around the Vatican, or you might be at the Met, standing below a replica of the Sistine Chapel ceiling like Jess and Barry. So in this gallery, everyone's heads are tilted upwards. It's like there is, they, they have this beautiful, it's not the actual painting, it's almost like a projection um, that's actually on the ceiling, so you're kind of experiencing the way it was supposed to be experienced, which is up. <laughs> it's really beautiful. I've never been. So. No, me neither. <laughs> this is the closest I've been. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Morgan Stanley Ideas podcast. If you want to learn more about this exhibit, you can head to morganstanley.com ideas. Or you can see Michelangelo, divine draftsman and designer, sponsored by Morgan Stanley, through February 12th at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I'm Ashley Miltite. Thanks again for listening.